0: Great to see you all here. We we are so delighted that you're here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take a look at Second Timothy chapter one this morning. So it's Mother's Day, and we're so blessed to have a, all you wonderful ladies in our in our church. And I wanna I wanna just say this morning, and I wanna get something right out on the front edge, get it on the table, so we can get it off the table, and we can go on. But I understand. Uh, seriously, that Mother's Day services sometimes create anxiety for people, and in particular ladies, for a few different reasons. And I just want to say, I want to just kind of put that out there in the open in in the very beginning. Not every one of us here this morning celebrates this day, perhaps because uh, in recent times your mother has uh, passed away. And so when you get to Mother's Day, there's a lot of emotion attached to that. In all reality, there are those whose mother, mothers, whose experience with their mother wasn't all that it should have been. So when you get to Mother's Day and you see all the, the uh, decorations and you hear all the stories and you and you hear all the uh, read through Proverbs thirty one and and all these nice things about mothers, maybe that doesn't match uh, your experience, and therefore it makes it a little bit painful or creates a little anxiety. There are those on Mother's Day, there are ladies who are not married or have never had children, and sometimes that makes celebration around Mother's Day a little bit difficult. And then sometimes Mother's Day is difficult because it reminds someone of your own mistakes as a mother. These services can be approached with a bit of anxiety simply because of the fear that Pastor Troy is going to preach something that puts you on a guilt trip. And so sometimes, I've even known people who've stayed away from Mother's Day services, but sometimes we come to Mother's Day services like this. We're just not sure. So, um, uh, we sometimes talk about it in such an idealistic way that it reminds us all of our own shortcomings. So this morning I have a word for all ladies in the service, in the chapel, online. Are you ready for the word? Relax. Everybody turn to a lady near you and say, relax. This is going to be good. By the grace of God. Our desire today is to give back a little bit of the well-deserved honor that you ladies earn on a daily basis. We are blessed. God knew, you know, another reason why this gets more and more difficult is because our culture is changing and gender distinctions are being erased and blurred, and it just makes it, but I want to tell you, we're going to celebrate womanhood and motherhood this morning. God knew what he was doing when he created them, male and female, amen? You ladies are amazing blessings in our life. You remember, the, you heard the story maybe of a little boy who went to bed, he called his mom from his room and said, mommy, I want a drink of water. She tells him, no, it's time to go to bed. Five minutes later, mommy, I want a drink of water. It's time to go to bed. Five minutes later, mommy, anybody ever had this happen before? I want a drink of water. She says to him, if you ask me for a drink drink of water one more time, I'm coming in there and I'm going to spank you. Five minutes later, mommy, when you come in here and spank me, will you bring me a drink of water? Rodney Dangerfield said, the poet said, she is the one who in sickness bore it, but as it really stood, my mother had morning sickness the day after I was born. (laughs) I want to go on record this morning and say that godly women are becoming more and more a rare breed. So if you're a lady here this morning who loves Jesus, serves Jesus, prays, takes care of your family... A lady who is strong and lives out the truth of Jesus Christ every day. Keep it up. We need you and 10 million more just like you. I want you to relax. And in an effort to help you relax this morning, I'll give you my sermon title. It's the importance of being a perfect mother. (laughs) All the pressure's off now, right? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. A passage of scripture that is not unnoticed for Paul's reference to the mother and grandmother of his disciple. 2 Timothy chapter 1, the apostle Paul is an old man. It's about 67 AD is the year. Paul is uh, about ready to die. As a matter of fact, he's writing a letter, sort of a farewell to his young disciple, the man who he is placing in leadership in the church of Jesus Christ. Paul has been a great missionary, a great theologian, He's been a great church planter. And now he is, in essence, turning over the reins to this young man, Timothy. In the course of this letter, Paul will tell Timothy to be faithful to the word of God, to be faithful to the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul will tell Timothy that his life is now just about over. He will say those famous words, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my, I have kept the faith and I have finished my course there is now for, therefore laid up for me a crown of righteousness. It's, it's sort of a sentimental farewell letter. And he opens this letter up to this young man. And he begins, and in, 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 we pick up in verse number 3 of chapter uh, 1 of 2 Timothy. He said, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. Paul makes the connection that he was, uh, his critics in that day said he was a good Jew who abandoned Judaism and became a follower of Jesus, and now he was a heretic. Paul makes the connection with the Old Testament and the New Testament and says, no, the Old Testament was proclaiming Jesus. Yes, I was converted on the road to Damascus, but I am serving the Lord like my ancestors did with a clear conscience. And then he says in verse verse 3, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, Timothy. I'm thinking about you. Verse 4, I remember your tears. I long to see you that I I may be filled with joy. I Really, Timothy, it would do me so much good if I could get out of this prison and just spend another day with you. But I'm thinking about you, and I'm praying praying for you night and day. Verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Verse 5 is interesting. As Paul is going down and opening this letter but going down sort of a sentimental remembrance, he says to Timothy, man, I remember your mom and your grandma. And what a powerful instrument they were. In your life. Verse 6 For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of self control. In this passage, Paul is speaking to his disciple and his mentee, this young man named Timothy. As I said, he's writing prior to his death. It's about the year 67 A.D. He is passing the baton from one generation of Christian leadership to the next generation of Christian leadership. He does something very interesting in his opening remarks when he he recalls the faith and the example of Timothy's mother and grandmother. And he refers to it as an example and and the model for this young leader that was going to take leadership in the early church. When we read these verses about Lois, his grandmother, and Eunice, his mother, we make some assumptions. And and I have probably most of my life, when I read this, you make some assumptions. Timothy, he said, I remember your mom and your grandma. They were great Christians. That's kind of how I read it. Timothy, I remember your mom and your grandma. Man, they were saints. And Timothy, I just thank God for how they, they impacted your life. And that's probably not far from how it could or should be interpreted. But sometimes when you read that, you you read into those words this picture of a mother and a grandmother who displayed absolute perfection. You, You read into it Lois and Eunice, this mom and this grandma, who could do no wrong, were probably walking around two feet off the ground They were so perfect, they never had dirty dishes or had to do any laundry. They were just amazing super saints. And sometimes we read into into this passage of scripture some level of perfection that I that I that I think perhaps is not there. So I I want this morning to stay true to my title, to show you how to be a perfect mother. (laughs) Aren't you excited? Let's, have, let's, let's do a 30-second silence thing again, close our eyes, and all the ladies are going to run out. Now, I think, really, my goal this morning, if, if you'll just bear with me for a few minutes, my goal this morning is for each of you to be encouraged to know that the genuine, ordinary life of a godly woman will produce extraordinary results in their child. I want you to say that with me. Genuine, ordinary life. Say that with me, will you? Genuine, ordinary life. One more time. Genuine, ordinary life. A couple things you need to understand if we're, going to have a, if we're going to be a perfect mother. Number one, you need to understand the power of your influence. It's interesting to me as Paul begins this letter by telling Timothy he was remembering three things. It sort of stuck out to me as I was trying to understand this passage. He says, I remember three times. And then he says another time, I want you to remember something. But Paul says to this young man, he said, I'm remembering three things. I remember... Timothy, I remember you. He's thinking about you. I'm thinking about this young man that I had mentored and led around and, and traveled with and, and anointed and ordained and, and put in charge. Of, I'm remembering you. I'm sitting here in this jail cell. He was He was not far from his death. And he said, I'm sitting here in this jail cell, and I'm remembering you, Timothy. And no doubt Paul's heart was moved with emotion. Secondly, he said, I remember your tears. I remember your tears. And we don't know exactly what Paul is referring to, but very likely Paul is referring to an occasion if you go to the book of Acts, which we won't for the sake of time this morning, if you went to Acts chapter 20 and you went down to the end of chapter 20, you would find Paul and a group of elders from the church at Ephesus of which Timothy would have been a part, and you'll find them kneeling by the seashore as Paul is getting ready to get on the ship and go back to Jerusalem, and, and as, as they are kneeling on the sea, they're weeping together. Because they knew they would never see Paul's face again. And perhaps in this moment Paul is remembering that experience where Timothy and the other elders from the church at Ephesus were there crying together and praying together. I don't know. Perhaps Paul is referring to that he's writing this letter and he knows when Timothy opens this letter and begins to read, My life is now at its close and I have fought a good fight and I've kept the faith. And When Timothy begins to read all the sadness and what would be sadness for someone writing a good Bible, he knows that as Timothy reads this, he's going to be weeping. I don't know exactly what Paul is referring to, but he's remembering Timothy. He's remembering his tears. And thirdly, he's remembering his training. He said, Timothy, I remember, I remember, I am reminded of your sincere faith that you got from your grandma and your mom. In this statement, Paul describes the power of influence that these two ladies in the life of this aspiring, powerful leader had in the kingdom of God. I want to just pause here for a moment, and I want to say something. I want to say, ladies, let me tell you something. Every ordinary act in every common day is a seed of the grace of Jesus Christ in the life of your family. I imagine Lois didn't feel too inspired as a grandma when she was out scrubbing clothes in the river. Or Eunice didn't feel too inspired as a mother of young Timothy as she was out doing her chores, which would have been immensely difficult in that day and time. I imagine they didn't feel very inspired in most of their life, but yet Paul is recognizing that the role and the influence of a mother in the life of a child is incredible. It's interesting to me that in that day 67 AD. How many years ago is that? However many years ago that is. You do the math. A Middle Eastern culture women were not considered to be as valuable or as important as men. As a matter of fact a a woman's testimony in that culture was half the value of a man. So you needed two women to testify against one man. And yet Paul does what Jesus has done so many times. He shows the value and he adds value in the midst of a culture that was totally misogynist in many ways. Yet Paul says, uh, he doesn't mention his father. He doesn't mention his grandfather. He said, Timothy, and I want you to know your mom and your grandma had a powerful influence in your life. If Paul could say that then, certainly we can say that now even more Paul does what Jesus, his Lord, had done and goes out of his way to add value to women, and in this case, a mother and a grandmother. Paul places a great deal of credit for the life and ministry of Timothy at the feet of two ordinary women who understood how powerful their influence was on Timothy's life. Not probably while it was happening, but certainly in the future. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in chapter 3. This is what he says to Timothy. Timothy. Long before, this is not what he says, let me say this and then I'll tell you what Paul said. But long before Timothy sat at the feet of Paul, he was sitting on the lap of his mother and grandma. And had he never sat under their training, he would have never been the man ready for what God had in store for his life under the teaching of the apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy, this is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, listen, I know how from childhood you have been acquainted with the Scripture long before I came along, Timothy. Your mother and your grandmother were training you. He is describing how Lois and Eunice had understood the importance of training and teaching by example of this young Timothy. Timothy was learning in the ordinary environment of a home with a mom and a grandma. So, you, how to be a you got to understand, you're powerful. Your influence is enormous. Is it Abraham Lincoln that said the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world? And, and, and what a powerful influence. Secondly, you want to be a perfect mother. Understand the importance of simply trusting Jesus. Of simply trusting Jesus. Lois and Eunice are Greek names. They were, Judy, they were Jewish by religion, not by nationality. But somewhere in the course... Perhaps as Acts Acts chapter 16 shows, it was under the ministry of the Apostle Paul when he came into their town and, and these practicing Jews, these faithful Jews who were committed to the life of Judaism, they hear the message that there's a Jew who has come and he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. His name is Jesus of Nazareth and if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus, he will change your life and give you eternal life and he will bless your family. Somewhere, I don't, I would love to know the conversion story of Lois and Eunice, but I do not know. But what I do know is somewhere, somewhere in their life, Paul doesn't talk about their education. He doesn't talk about their wealth. He doesn't talk about their beauty. He doesn't talk about the decorations in their house. What does he talk about? They simply love and serve Jesus. The power of simply trusting as a parent and as a mother but certainly as a parent so many times we have we have such motivation to try to exert and change and manipulate and change and sometimes when they're 2 years old they need a little <clears throat> backseat manipulation or whatever you want to call it but as a, as your children grow we 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 want to we want to but there comes a point that as Lois and Eunice discovered they first trusted and followed Jesus and then Jesus helped them train and raise their child. There's something so powerful. It wasn't in their religious practice that led Timothy to Paul. It was in their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul calls it sincere faith. Their decision to simply walk in trust with Jesus Christ changed their lives but also made them capable of leading this young man who would be the leader of the church What a powerful decision. The world presses in, ladies, with a million expectations. If you have genuine faith in Jesus, if you are trusting in Him, can I just tell you, you've made the greatest decision of all on behalf of your kids. Thirdly, if you want to be a perfect mother, understand the grace that is available in your challenges. So this is the interesting part for me. The Apostle Paul, as I said a moment ago, doesn't mention dad or granddad. He mentions mom and grandma. Which indicates that the dad and the granddad were probably both, but were either unsaved or absent. Probably both. At this time, we we believe, according to Acts chapter 16, Luke knew Seemed to write more about this family than Paul did. But in, Luke, in Acts chapter 16, Luke tells us that the father was still a Greek. In other words, he hadn't converted to Christianity. So, so Lois and Eunice, Eunice's husband was unsaved. Eunice was a Christian. And yet she raised up the young leader for the whole church of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning, ladies, you don't have to have a perfect home situation to make a magnificent difference in your children's lives. There is grace enough for every circumstance. Probably his dad had passed away by the time of this writing. There are certainly many great dads in the Bible, and you'll hear about that in about a month from now, but here it's mom and grandma that take center stage. Someone asked me after the first service this morning, one one grandfather said to me, Can I at least get a participation trophy? (laughs) Not today. So many wrestle with the reality that they are deficient in some area in their home. My husband isn't this, or I'm not that, or I wasn't that. And somehow this deficiency, the devil comes in and tells you that this deficiency is going to prevent your children from being all that God wants them to be. To the moms who are doing it alone this morning, can I tell you God is with you? And you can raise a mighty leader in the kingdom, even if you're a single mom, even if you're the only parent who is walking with Jesus. One writer said, maybe Paul knew something that we overlook. Perhaps the writer of so many New Testament books understood, while. Any of us, man or woman, can impact a generation. It is often mothers who create generational change. There is nothing so powerful as a believing mother who is trusting in the grace of God. My parents are both wonderful Christian people, but both of them came from homes where the mother walked with the Lord and the father did not. God has got grace for every circumstance in your life. Let me wrap this up and get to the real reason I preach this sermon. You know how it is when, you, when you're preparing a sermon. I'm sure all of you know this. Uh, you kind of have, you know where you're going and then you have to map, map a course and the course sometimes becomes longer than the destination. You know what I'm saying? So this is really why I wrote this sermon this week is right here. All right, number four. Understand that perfection doesn't mean perfection. I was interested when I began to study this passage of scripture. He said, I want you, there was a couple things about the way he said it that really intrigued me. Paul said, I'm remembering your tears, I'm remembering you, and I'm remembering your sincere faith. And I wanted to know what he meant. I'm remembering your sincere faith, he said, that first was in your grandma, then it was in your mom, and then he said something interesting to me. Because this is going to be the leader of the church. He says, I remember your sincere faith, it was in your mom and your grandma, and I hope it's in you now. It's an interesting. So I, I did a little start digging around. What, do you, what, was he, what was he commending Lois and Eunice for? And, and really, the word sincere only appears in the New Testament six times. And, and it's not a word that means perfect faith. It's not a word that means faith of absolute perfection and maturity. It's not a word that means these were the superest, super, 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 super saints that had ever lived. Here's what the word means not a phony. They were genuine. Perfection doesn't mean absolute perfection. Here's what perfection means in this case. Sincere means that you are just being, by the grace of God, who God created you to be, even with your faults and failures. Lois and Eunice weren't absolutely perfect, they didn't fly around three feet off the ground, no, I'm sure they had bad days, I'm sure they had to apologize to their kids, and I'm here to say, and I'm not excusing sin, I'm not excusing rebellion, I'm not excusing anything, mom, I'm here to tell you, it's okay to be imperfect, just don't be phony, have no hidden agendas, the word means it's the opposite of acting the part, or simulation, or impersonation, Lois and Eunice were just genuine people who loved the Lord and their faults and failures were just a part of who they were. That's why, as a matter of fact, there's pretty, even significant evidence that Paul is referring to their faith even before they came to Christ because he refers to his own faith in his own family way, way, way back before Christ. He said, I have a clear conscience as my ancestors did. And then he says, your, your mom and your grandma have this, not a phony faith. They just, they're just straight up. They love Jesus, and they're just who they ought to be. And you know what? I just want to encourage you ladies today. It's okay to be imperfect. Two things are rampant today as ever before in history. The pressure of perceived perfection. Man, before Facebook and social media, how did we know what you fixed for breakfast? And as a pastor, I happen to just know this. I just know this is a real thing. How many of us just put our dirty laundry piles on Facebook? Oh, not many, do we? You know, we get it all neat. We light a candle. We get the steam coming off off the cup of coffee. Or we go Photoshop it in. We get a sunset in the background. We put a Bible verse on it. And we post it. And by the time anybody sees it, there's a pile of laundry this tall and the kids are running around with a snotty nose and there's dirty dishes in the sink. And I'm not saying, I'm just, what I'm saying is, is they tell me that it's more than ever this sense of comparison and perfection and we have this pressure that I'm not as good as somebody else. Because look at them. You know, they're, they're reading, they're, they must be reading their Bible to their children 12 hours a day. No, no, no. They do that for 30 seconds, and they sit in a pile of laundry and eat Doritos the other 12 hours. Okay? It's just the way that game is played. Mom, I want to encourage you this morning. Paul wasn't talking about being absolutely mature. He wasn't being this mystical, spiritual person that floats around. He's talking about a woman who loved Jesus. Her heart and her trust and her faith was in Jesus. She wasn't perfect. But she wasn't phony. She wasn't a, an impersonator. the The Greek word for sincere is, is six times in the New Testament. You know what? If you know how to pronounce the Greek word, truly, in in in, in for this word, it's hypokritos. What English words do you think we get from that? Hypocrite. But it has the suffix on the or the prefix on the word that means not a hypocrite. Perfection doesn't mean that I have to attain. The devil has discouraged more ladies in their, in their walk with God because they feel like they're not as good as somebody else. Listen, the best mother for your children is the most authentic you. Just let the Holy Spirit lead your life. God, if God wanted your kids to be under somebody else's roof, he'd have put them there. He gave them to you. If God wanted your kids to have a different personality in a mother, he would have have gave them to somebody else, but he thought you were the most well-equipped person to train and raise those children. Just be the best sanctified version of you that you can possibly be. Amen? I have a wonderful mother. I was going to ask her permission to tell this story, but she's not here. And she doesn't watch us online much, so I'm good. No. My mother's this is just, a, just a, a little illustration that illustrates what I'm talking about. My, my mother, in many ways, is a saint. But There's this one thing about my mother. It's in her personality. If you were to go down to her bedroom in the middle of the night as a child and wake her up because you were sick, she'd scream bloody murder. So there were, there were times in our life as children we had to decide, do I want to throw up by myself or do I want mom to, my mom to scare the daylights out of me? Because you'd tiptoe in the room and say, Mom, Mom. And she'd say, whoa, 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 whoa! So I was just like, no, I just puke in the bed and keep on going. This ain't worth it. It's a simple little illustration. You know what? The best mother for your ch- just be you. If you have to, get out of Facebook. Stop comparing yourself. The Bible says compare yourself with another, with someone else is unwise. Don't, don't, don't try to live up to some perception of perfection be genuine let me say this and I'm going to be done finally if you want to be perfect understand it's your job to light the fire it's their job to fan the flame interesting to me the apostle Paul says in these verses he said I'm reminded of your sincere faith that your mom and grandma had and now he said I'm sure dwells in you as well Timothy <laughs> you would be like them then he says something else. For this reason. For what reason? Because of the sincere faith that you got from your mom and dad. Now Timothy, and he turns and he starts telling Timothy to remember something. I want to remind you. You fanned the flame that you got from them. And I want to just let some other ladies off the hook this morning. The devil likes to beat parents up, but particularly mothers up. Because you, have, you feel like you have to own every mistake of your adult child. And you don't. Your job, Lois and Eunice, they lit the fire in him. And then Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, you fanned the flame. For the reason that you received this from your parents from your mother and your grandmother. Now you fan the flame of the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of hands, which he's really talking about the Holy Spirit. And here's the reality. Let me just say this quickly to to, to mothers with grown children. Stop letting the devil tell tell you that when you gave them cream of wheat and they really wanted oatmeal, you ruined their life. (laughs) Right? And let me say something else. And I just feel inspired to say it, so I'll say it. Stop letting your kids tell you that. you You light the fire, and you pray they fan the flame amen i I have sit with, with, with I have sit with many people and heard them say these things. every one of us, every one of us who's ever been a parent for a second has things we would do different. Am I right, parents? Stop letting the devil use that as a tool to discourage and defeat you 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 walk with Jesus. You follow Jesus, and you pray that the Holy Spirit of God will fan the flame in them. Amen. So here's your here's your here's your uh, here's your departing words. Lighten up on yourself, ladies. Your circumstance doesn't have to be ideal to make a great story. Eunice and Lois show us that. Secondly, stay at it. Faithfulness today is more powerful than failure yesterday. Did you hear what I just said? Faithfulness today is more powerful than failure yesterday. Stay at it. Thirdly, be genuine. The real you is better than a fake someone else. Trust Jesus. Seek God. Obey God. Put your faith in Christ. Be a prayer warrior. Pray for your kids. Trust in the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Live the life a godly example. Your your days of influencing your children don't end when they turn 18 and go out the door. Your days of influencing your children end when you and they are in eternity. Because even after you're gone, your life will impact them. Just keep living for Jesus. Just keep staying faithful to Jesus. Just keep being obedient to Jesus. Amen. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform, at EastlakeSML. Thanks for joining us.